All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Welcome to another episode of Creative on Purpose Live, a show about flying higher in endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. This season features the Ruckus Makers Roundtables, conversations about the questions that matter with friends and fellow travelers from ForwardLink, an alumni community of Seth Godin's Alt-MBA and Akimbo workshops. I'm your host, Scott Perry, Chief Difference Maker at Creative On Purpose and author of Endeavor, and I am an Alt-MBA 6 alum and on the head coach team for the Akimbo workshops. You can learn more about me and my work at creativeonpurpose.com. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Sam Miller and Marie Schott, who are here to discuss how do you cultivate a posture of acceptance. Sam and Marie, before we dive into today's discussion, please introduce yourselves to our viewers. Who are you? Which programs have you been a student or leader in? What are you up to these days? And where can people go to learn more about you and your work? All right. Thanks, Scott, for such a wonderful introduction. I think you've done this a few times. Just a few. Okay. Just a few. Um, I'm Sam Miller. I uh, help run the operations for the Alt-MBA uh, and all things akimbo. Um, what else? I took the Alt-MBA, Alt-MBA 14. That seems like an eternity ago. Uh, I also coached uh, for the Alt-MBA. And you can find me uh, these days just, I'm all Kimboed out. I spend all my days there uh, in Ford Link, our alumni, beautiful alumni community, um, inside of the workshop, the Alt-MBA. And uh, if you ever want to get in touch, either if you are a Ford Link member, you can find me there uh, or LinkedIn. Hello, everyone. My name is Marie Schott. Excited to be back here on Creative on Purpose. Thank you, Scott, for the invitation. I am the provost at Alt-MBA as well as Akimbo Workshops, and I help lead the coach teams, work on the workshop designs, and all kinds of other things. But we stay busy. We've got lots, lots already happening. And you can find me at marieshot.com. And a graduate of Alt-MBA yes. 3, is that three. correct? Alt-MBA 3, correct. Yeah. Four yeah. years so ago now, which is wild. We are all Alt-MBA akimbo all the time here in this room today. So, Sam, I'm going to pick on you first because this uh, topic was kind of your idea. Actually, it was your idea. So, it's all on you. What are we talking about when we talk about uh, cultivating this posture of acceptance and embracing change? So I think it's super interesting uh, because when we talk about the word acceptance, we don't talk about it that much. We talk about words like growth and change, but we don't really talk about acceptance, which for me is such an important tango um, between uh, when to accept something and when to not. And what does that mean? So the definition of accepting is to receive an offering, whether that's negative or positive. And I think the real problem we have today is the negative, receiving the negative. Um, and we're just going to kind of riff on that and, you know, maybe give some tips on, you know, how do we do that on a day to day? Go ahead, Marie. Your thoughts. Well, I want to take it to the other side of cultivating a posture of acceptance and start us off by just putting this in, in the mix of the, the conversation, which is when something is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of edge in that line that we sometimes hit in our lives of what is unacceptable and how does that relationship of what's unacceptable go along with this posture of acceptance? 
And I just think there's a lot of really exciting things to unearth in there and things that we can apply each day in our lives that can make us have a little bit more ease, you know, do what Sam was talking about, which is to have that ability to receive and really do that with thought and intention. And so I just wanted to take us there on the other side with that word unacceptable. I love it. Consider what, what comes out of that too. Yeah. So for me, the, the, I guess part of it is just kind of defining like, what's the distinction between acceptance and passivity, which they're two very different things. When we're talking about acceptance, we're talking about our ability to acknowledge and sit in stillness with what has happened because we can't undo what has already happened. But that doesn't mean that we have to be resigned to just letting life happen to us. We have this capacity to um, make our lives happen through us by becoming active agents in our own in our own lives. And even though results and outcomes might be beyond us, we have the ability to um, play a role and perhaps influence uh, w- what happens next. So Sam, you, you mentioned some tools uh, that, you, you know, there are tools and tips that we can uh, cultivate. And part of it, I think, is just making sure that we're framing what we're talking about in a way yeah. that we can all be talking about the same thing at once. That can be uh, a challenge sometimes. But what are, what are some of those tips that, that you use, maybe from a perspective or, and or an action So I would say that for me, well, acceptance is definitely a daily practice uh, and a daily um, uh, something you need to work at every single day. So to that point, um, like part of accepting very simple because we all go through these cycles. But when you're having a bad day, uh, it's not like, you know, things are just not going your way and accepting that tomorrow is going to be a better day because it always is for all of us. It's always a better day. The next day. And for me, um, I just, what ends up happening is I'll be sitting in a moment where I'm like, oh, things are not going great today. I'm not doing my best work. I'm tired. Uh, and I then just have a moment, as you had mentioned about like just sitting in silence for a moment, recalibrating and thinking, um, okay, acknowledging, I accept that today is a bad day, but tomorrow's gonna be a better day. And the magic of that is normally when I accept that my day just instantly becomes better. Mm-hmm. So that's like a daily practice for me. Um, and then I think also, Marie, this is like something in our work that we do daily, but being uh, accepting that the work that we do takes so much energy and it takes, uh, we're, we're in the constant state of feeling like we're not moving fast enough. Uh, once you kind of just like absorb that and you accept that that's just a feeling you're going to have, you just do better work. Love it. Your thoughts, Marie? I I would add on to the feelings piece and that I can sometimes find myself having a feeling and then resisting that I have that feeling. So there can be that sort of tension and fight that I'm going of, well, I don't want to feel tired right now. And then I'm going to exert more effort trying to change from feeling tired versus if I say, pause. I'm going to accept that I feel tired and, and move through that and then come to the other side of that and say, okay, I've accepted I'm tired. I'm not fighting that feeling. What can I do differently in the next hour, knowing that I'm tired and knowing what I have to do ahead of me? And that creates self-compassion, which allows for more space versus if you persist in that feeling of fighting 
I feel tired, it doesn't always lead you to a positive place. And so getting better at that sort of transition of noticing the feeling, accepting the feeling rather than fighting it, or saying, this is unacceptable that I'm tired, because the reality is, is that I'm tired, and, and doing that and really being reflective in that, that cycle is, a, is one that I do often on a daily practice. Two threads, one from each of you that just popped out at me. One is um, Sam's framing of the, you know what to do when you're having a, a bad day or a bad moment. And then uh, to your point, Marie, about emotions. One of the things that really helps me is to remember. So here comes the stoic quote of the day. It's not things themselves that bother us, but it's our judgment of things, okay, which yeah. is a reframe of or a restatement of what Epictetus leads off his his um, handbook with. And it's, you know, this we have we are kind of built to be judgment machines as human beings. We we look at things and frame them good or bad. And normally that's very selfishly like good or bad to me, like but based on what my desires are. And so, so a lot of times for me, just the ability to pause and halt the judgment piece and become more considerate as opposed to leaping to the conclusion that this is a bad thing or this is a good thing. This is a thing. And now I can frame what are the possibilities if I look at this from certain other perspectives and or see other possibilities with what happens. And then the, the piece about emotions is always really interesting to me because one of the things that I like to share with people is if if you find yourself being consistently exhausted by your work as opposed to excited by it, it might be time for you to think about another line of work. But at the same time, it also might be an invitation. Just think about the way that you're approaching your work because in all of those moments that you are finding exhausting or bad or difficult, those are moments generally where we have an opportunity for growth and if we can hit that pause button and pull out and objectify the situation a little bit more, then we have a little bit better opportunity to promote happiness and um, and freedom from that being drawn down the rabbit hole of negative feelings and or expectations. I, re I really love that. Um, so I have two threads myself. So the first thread is the feeling of being tired, which is super real for all of us. But I think that Part of the reason we feel tired is because the feeling of being uncomfortable and the emotions that we put into something just make us tired. So there is a growth aspect to, to like, for example, our work, we could be tired, but it's because we are consistently uncomfortable, which is a good thing because we're growing. But that in itself is exhausting. It's not necessarily the work it is uh, bad. Or like if someone is, you know, feeling that way, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're in the wrong job. It just is they're putting so much emotional stress um, into it. Um, and then the other thing, you mentioned judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like totally, it's superhuman. I think the other thing that's superhuman is comparison. So we're always comparing, like, why isn't that person tired like I'm tired? And then so really accepting you will help you, you know, live a better life. Mm. That's what I got. I love this conversation. I'm just building on, on the things that you all were saying, something I've started to pay more attention to is external 
inputs that provide feedback that I can trust that what I'm doing is working. And part of the process of acceptance is also letting go of some of those inputs. So for example, if, if the feeling I'm looking for is that I want to feel productive and I want to know that I feel productive, then I'm going to look for a series of inputs to be able to validate that feeling that I'm being productive versus if I accept the reality that I am showing up and putting in effort and therefore I can trust that I'm being productive versus the uncontrollable external inputs that I'm relying on to tell me that that's true. And that's part of the work of acceptance. And when judgment and when comparison come into that too, those are, those are external inputs that are signaling to you, okay, I can believe this story that I'm telling myself, or I can believe that this is actually happening. Acceptance allows you to bring that control back into your internal system and say, okay, I accept I'm being productive. And then, and then from there, which is a really different relationship with what you're looking to move forward or just how you're interacting with, with your day, I think. And like accepting that you're doing your best. Yeah. Accepting that you're doing your best. Absolutely. Oh, well there's, okay. So three new threads. Um, the first is tied to both of what you said, which is something that I um, stated in uh, my book Endeavor, but that's really just a reframe of what Seth says in the marketing seminar. Seth's statement is choose your customer, choose your future. And I repurpose that as choose your story, choose your future. And that's kind of at the heart of what you're both talking about. We get to choose the frame that we're going to put the situation in. And it's our choice of frame that turns it into an exhausting event happening to us or an energizing event where now we have the opportunity to find it, step into possibility. The other thing that I want to just highlight is what Marie said about compassion and self-compassion and this idea that, you know, we, to Sam's point about comparison, we are very much status. We are status junkies as human beings. We are constantly measuring ourselves against expectations of others, expectations of ourselves, expectations of those, you know, above and below us. Um, but having that ability to accept where we're at and, and know that we have the opportunity to, for more and better um, in the moment that we're in is something that's really hard to cultivate. And I think it's really hard to cultivate compassion towards others if you don't effectively do that with yourselves. And most of us, I would argue, are pretty bad at practicing. There, are, I used the judgment word, Sam, I said bad. We're not, we're not always um, treating ourselves kind. with the, the, the way, the, the kind of way that will promote <laughs> health and happiness. But now we're touching on, to your point, Marie, this, I, I, what I'm hearing is aim versus expectation. Like if we expect that things are going to turn out a certain way because we're deserving based on our talents and our effort and all that, that's a very different thing than just setting our intention or setting our aim and accepting things as they come, but still continuing the pursuit of putting forth our best, best effort toward that goal, towards that bullseye aim, whatever it is. And uh, to me, there's a, a, a distinction there because it's the, the, the enemy of acceptance oftentimes is that attachment to an expectation or a kind of preconceived outcome. What are your thoughts on that? I have a, I have a metaphor I use 
where if you imagine you're driving a car and you have two hands on the wheel, you might choose to grip it really tightly mm -hmm. to think that I'm going to do a better job driving if I have a really tight grip. When in reality, you could actually have a very soft, open grip and do just as great of a job driving. And because you're relaxed and present, you actually have a little bit more maneuverability. And so I use that metaphor a lot when I, if I'm noticing, am I gripping this? Am I gripping the wheel? And okay, what can I do to loosen that grip metaphorically on whatever it is that I'm working on at that moment? And as you were talking, Scott, I had this mental image of throwing darts at a dartboard. You know, mm -hmm. the difference between aim and expectation. Mm. And the thing that matters most is that you throw the dart and that you look ahead and you put the energy into it. There's no way to control exactly where it lands, though. And so that was another mental image that was just showing up for me of thinking about those two things. I think the thing that stands out for me is like this word that you brought up, which I think is super powerful, powerful, which is expectations, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, relationships of all kinds. I mean, I think most relationships, maybe not most, but some relationships don't work out because there are, you are setting expectations for the other person and not accepting the other person or the situation for what it is. Uh, and because you think that it's going to, it can be something else because you had set an expectation. So yeah, I just think that it's, it's a very hard thing to do, especially for, especially if you don't practice. So people, for example, who haven't had much a relationship experience, um, you know, it's, you might not, you expect that over time you can make the person something different. Right. But that never happens because you haven't accepted that, that reality yet, you know, and that might be the reality of yourself too, that maybe, you know, there are things about you that you haven't accepted either. I really like that point, Sam. It reminds me, I mean, one of the things that really helped me become better at acceptance of what's happening while remaining intentional about what I'm going to do next is the idea that everybody is doing the best they can. Everybody's doing the best they can based on their past experiences, based on their current beliefs. Um, and that includes me too. I mean, we're all works in progress, but we are where we are and who we are at any given moment. And we are, I don't think that most people, unless you're a full-blown psychopath, are doing anything with the intent of doing harm, um, even though it might appear that way. Um, and so sometimes, you know, part of the acceptance speech piece is just to say, like, thank you. Like, I, I get that this is what's going on. I guess I get that this is how you feel. The other thing that what you just said reminds me of is this idea that, and, and this ties into what um, Marie was saying about kind of loosely ho holding on loosely is this doing this with our beliefs. Like beliefs are things that are very, very, our minds are very, very difficult to change. It's very simple to change, but it's never easy to change your current belief system. But if we approach our beliefs with that same attitude that Marie was just talking about, like strong opinions loosely held, I can't remember where I'm pulling that from, but I'm stealing it from somebody. Um, in the pursuit of truer truths, truer beliefs, then we have the ability to, 
you know, act, um, be decisive and to step into possibility, knowing that things might not, that, that we might not be completely right or perfect, but that we are in pursuit of getting better by, to Marie's point, by throwing the dart, by doing something. That's the only way that we can actually test these ideas in real time. And the only way to change your beliefs is through actions. Actions inform beliefs, not the other way around. Yeah. Or another word, experiences. So your experiences will shape the beliefs that you have. So, you know, the uh, house that you grew up in um, had a certain level of cleanliness. And so that's what you think is clean. So when you're with your partner and you're living together and they're like, I'm doing the best I can. What do you mean? This is perfectly clean. Then you walk into the room and you think it's a disaster. Um, A lot of that is is perception based on experiences and beliefs. Mm. which is shaped to beliefs. I love that perspective. This is bringing up for me that part of the posture of acceptance. You know, we talked about the word receive. That part of the posture of acceptance is openness. Mm. And what comes with openness is vulnerability. And that's, that's a hard place to be in because you feel exposed and you feel that I'm something could happen to me and it could be bad. And I think it's about practicing being in that posture and being in that open, receiving, vulnerable posture and finding small ways to do it. And then over time, you grow into a level of comfort with that posture, knowing that you can trust being in that and that you can handle things as they come in, even if they are, you know, as Sam, you said at the beginning, even if they are a negative, a negative coming in that you're receiving, that you have the posture to be able to work through that. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm almost at the end of the culture code. Uh, I think it's Dan Coyle is the author. And I've been thinking about this a lot in the context of all of the work that we all do. So we all, you know, are in leadership roles in, in various uh, capacities for Seth or for his workshops. And one of the things that, that uh, is talked about in the culture code that I really have been picking up on is how do we as leaders within a culture or linchpins within a culture, how do we cultivate that um, feeling of safety within the group that you are you are safe here to try things that might not work to try to improve things and fail. And at the same time, um, and the answer is you have to, you have to create a culture that accepts or that uh, embraces vulnerability to your point, Marie. And the person that has to do that first is the person that is the leader of that group. And uh, I have been thinking about that a lot lately is like, how willing am I to say, well, I really, I really screwed that up. You know, that, that one's on me. Um, things, you know, something uh, since I worked closely with you and the workshops where I've seen, I've learned from you the ability to say, well, I, I missed, I, I messed up. Um, I can think of many examples in the last <laughs> series of workshops where I got to practice that posture. But that, um, that vulnerability piece is really powerful to me and I think in part because it's such at odds with what the current you know culture larger culture 
expects or rewards. It seems that we're rewarded for being, for, um, for certainty and overconfidence seem to be the things that are getting rewarded and not the curiosity and vulnerability. So what does one do in that situation? I really like your point about um, ownership. Um, there's a great book. It's called Extreme Ownership. I'm, I can't remember who the author is. I believe there are two actually, and they're both uh, Marines. Um, but it's basically accepting that, building that culture uh, of, okay, my team or someone on it had made an error or a learning, it was a learning opportunity. And then taking responsibility as the true leader of that group, you take responsibility for your team and the things, and, and mm -hmm. you basically stand by their side. Um, and anyway, it's a really good book. I highly suggest it, especially on this topic, topic of acceptance, because actually it is um, like an important part, the ownership piece. Um, but the space, giving uh, let the people around you the space to be innovative, um, and make make decisions and give them the authority to uh, make mistakes, which we don't call mistakes, they're learning opportunities, uh, is such a gift that you can give to the people around you. And I don't think many um, offices have that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we should, that's what everybody's, we're, you know, that's why, you know, we're moving so slow. So. Um. Yeah, well, I, we're talking about one of my favorite things now, which is agency. Like who's in charge and what are you in charge of? And too often I find that people are not willing to actually even take, like be in charge of what they actually are in charge of. You are in charge of your perception. You are in charge of the way you choose to think about your current situation, circumstances, relationships, or what have you. And you're in charge of what you decide and do next. Uh, and a lot of people would prefer to not to be told what to do so that they can be off the hook for what happens next. Uh, and so to your point, Sam, just like, how do we build this? How do we bake this into the cultures that we're operating in at work, in our relationships and in our circle of friends and, and influence? How do we um, bake in this idea that, you know, we're all in charge of what we're in charge of, but to me, it's it comes down to common purpose, like a culture, you know, as defined by Seth, people like us do things like this. And what I love about that is culture is defined not just on what you believe, but what you do, because those, again, actions determine beliefs. And the cultures that seem to thrive are the ones that are clear about what the group, the aim of the group is, what's the intention of the group? What are we working on and towards? Where are we now? And where do we want to end up? So I'll let you guys riff on that and as we uh, wrap up our half hour together. Agency begins by accepting you have agency. Boom. And I think acceptance, accepting and unacceptable could be you could switch those out for yes and no, just as like a fun experiment practice, being curious with accept, acceptance in this posture. And when you truly accept something, you do receive it. And I think even imagining, okay, I've received this, where do you put it? 
and how how do you what's your process for accepting it and then working through it and spend some time thinking about those steps i'm certainly going to do that after this because this conversation has helped me see okay yeah there's the posture of acceptance what's my personal process though for when i do accept accept something you know how do i how do i work through that or when something is unacceptable how do i continue to have a posture of acceptance but you know acknowledge that this is unacceptable and spending more time noticing and and testing in that that arena Mm. there's a there's a lot there's a lot in there truly I, I think you said so well, Marie. I totally agree with everything you just said. I think that also, um, if we're talking about like leadership and like how do you build that into the culture of, um, you know, the acceptance part, and I think that also comes from leading by example. So if you know you're demonstrating that, then the others will see that and, and inherit that. Oh, well said. So I'm just going to conclude with the three A's that leapt out based on what you just said. Acceptance is just accepting what is happening because it's true. It's This is happening. This is what fate has had in store. And this is, there's nothing to do. But then the acknowledgement piece is almost, to me, the um, the way that we're going to frame it. And then the action piece is what we decide to do next in, in with intention and with integrity. So acceptance, acknowledge, and then action. That's uh, that's that's my concluding thought. Wow. Holy cow. We covered a ton of ground in 30 minutes. And so this is one of our shorter episodes because we're all very busy people and we have good goodness to spread throughout the rest of the, the world. But Sam and uh, Maria, I can't thank you enough for this uh, just taking a chance on having this conversation, but then coming through with such curiosity, courage, and and generosity. It is deeply appreciated. Uh, One more time, where can people uh, connect with you to learn more about what you're up to? Uh, For me, either in Forward Link, if you're an Akimbo alumni, I hang out there quite often, uh, or LinkedIn, send me a note. And marieshot.com, my last name can be a little tricky to spell, and you can find it on the altmba.com website if you're trying to figure out how to spell shot. And for those that are interested in looking close, more closely at the workshops, Marie, what's the website there? Akimbo.com. Fantastic. We'll give you an overview of all the workshops. And we would love to have you in one if you're interested. And yeah, it's just a wonderful community. Indeed. And it's always more fun when you show up at creativeonpurpose.com. Sam, Marie, thank you so much for your uh, time and consideration today. What a thrill. And uh, can't wait to uh, see you out there in the, uh, the Seth universe elsewhere. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Scott.